Hello. Right, to, tonight I want to speak on the importance of being in a small group. And if you're not in a small group where you are meeting regularly with other Christians and you're talking about Jesus and your walk with the Lord, I hope that you'll get a hunger uh, to be doing that. Uh, to kick things off, um, let me just read a verse here. In fact, let me ask a question. What do you think was the main difference between the early church and how churches look today? What, what's the main difference? The main difference really is that for the first 200 years of church history, Christians met in each other's homes. There were no churches that people could go to. What we're doing tonight was completely foreign to the early Christians. To sit in rows in a dedicated building, that just didn't happen for 200 years. I, I researched this and discovered that the first church ever to have been built was only built in the year 210. And it was a, a house that got converted into a church. So it was only in the third century that Christians had a building dedicated to worship. And here are some verses that just show us from the Bible that that is where the church used to meet. Colossians 4.15 says we must, uh, Paul says, Give my greetings to the church uh, that meets in her house. Her name is Nympha. Uh, in, the, in the letter to Philemon, again, there's a reference to the church that meets in your house. In Acts 12, there's a reference to the house of Mary where people met for church. In Acts chapter 16, verse 40, we, we read about a woman called Lydia, and she too had a house where a church met. And what's the significance of the fact that for 200 years, the Christian church grew enormously, but they never had church buildings. What's significant about that? Number one, you don't need buildings to grow because being a Christian is not about going to church meetings in a building. It's, it's about being part of a community. We also discovered that after a while, the Christians were no longer allowed to meet in the great temple in Jerusalem. They used to meet in the outer courts because it was a good place to meet, a little bit like meeting, uh, I suppose, on, on a field somewhere. Houses provided privacy and warmth, and, and houses are small, which means early churches tended to be about between 15 and 30 people at a push, and I'm sure people of all ages were there. Back in the day, generations used to live in a home together. And because Christians didn't meet on a Sunday morning, they'd meet after work because Sunday was a work day. And, and they used to meet and they used to eat together. And friends, this, this set the tone of what church was like. If you didn't go to church, you would be missed because it's not like a big mega church today where you don't know anybody in the entire row, perhaps, in which you're sitting. But I want to share eight reasons with you tonight as to why I believe it's important for all of us to belong to a small group, or more than one. I'm part of probably about three small groups. Um, not probably, I am. <laughs> and actually four if I count the eldership as well. 
But um, here, here are some reasons why it's so important to be part of a small group. Number one, and if you're taking notes, this would be a good place to start. It's for companionship and fellowship. And of course, if you're a young adult, you already know this. I mean, this is where you meet people. This is where you find that elusive husband, that elusive wife, Mr. Right, Mrs. Right. This is where it happens. So as young adults, we understand the importance of small groups. I mean, you can check at someone out from a distance and maybe buy them a chicken burger here, but if you really want to go deep, um, you need to uh, be part of a small group. And if you really want to go deep, then you must lead a small group together. In Acts chapter 2, <laughs> we read, this is what the early Christians were like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You can see they valued being part of the fellowship. And they were so excited about each other that they met for church every day. Not like some of us which do church once a month. These early believers, we read in Acts 2, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and after they were kicked out, it was all just in homes. They broke bread in their homes. That means they shared Holy Communion together. It was a meal, they ate bread, they drank wine, and they reminded each other about the death of Jesus. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, and they praised God. Loneliness is a huge problem in our world today. I've discovered that there are more people living alone today than at any other time in the history of the human race. In the United States, and I don't have statistics for us, but 20% of the whole population describe themselves as being permanently lonely. One in 10 Americans have nobody to spend their free time with or to discuss things that are important to them. I've also discovered that loneliness spreads. It's, it, it's like a contagion. If, if one person is lonely and they've got a few friends, they can actually pass that loneliness on to other people. It's like a crazy situation. They also did these experiments with monkeys in 1965. They, 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 okay, so it doesn't correlate exactly necessarily but they took a monkey and they took it away from its pack and they isolated this monkey for for six months and then they reintroduced it back to its 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 troop and the troop did not accept the monkey and 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 sociologists have discovered that when we are lonely we actually emit signals that actually stop other people from wanting to be close to us so loneliness is a terrible thing and I've also discovered that excessive internet usage <laughs> increases feelings of loneliness because it disconnects you from the real world. So all the time you think you're getting connected with all your awesome friends out there. That's actually quality time that you could be using to make real friends. And relationships, yes. 
Small groups are important because we all need friendships. We all need that group of people around us that we do life together. And scattered through my sermon today, I'm going to have quotations from people in this church about what life group means to them. But we do life together. That's not just a a, a nice Christian cliche. It comes from the Bible. Thessalonians 2, Paul says, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. Because you'd become so dear to all of us. And that's what Brian and Sharon are going to be doing in Antalya with the caravan. They're not just going to be sharing the gospel and Christian ideas, but their lives. And that's what happens in a life group. Here's what somebody said. We have a life group that has become very dear to me. I can truly say that the members of the group have become our best friends. You'll recognize Cara. She says this about her life group. Having friends that encourage and inspire me to dream big has helped me to reach my wildest dreams, representing my country at 19. So there are people in this church whose, whose life group means a great deal to them. And it's where we form those friendships. You're not going to become close friends with people that you just sit next to and greet. I've greeted people in this church for 10 years, and I still don't really necessarily know them and nor them me. Because friendship takes hours to develop, and it takes a consistent commitment in a small group with a smaller group of people. The second reason why we should be part of a life group is for encouragement and and inspiration. In Hebrews 10, we're told that we mustn't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but we must encourage one another and all the more as we see the day of Christ's return approaching. So one of the reasons why we go to life group is to be encouraged in our faith. But as important, we also go to encourage other people. Let me talk to you a little bit about encouragement, and then we'll, we'll talk about what inspiration is. What's the difference between inspiration and encouragement? Encouragement is when you just give courage to a person. You, you say, go for it. I'm, I'm with you. you, you you're egging them on in the Christian life. And that's what we're to do. Here's a, here's a quotation from one of our women in the Young Mothers Group. I find out about the Mothers Group on a Friday. For me, it's not a life group, but a lifeline. I never want to miss Friday Moms Group because we pray for each other, prophesy over each other, encourage and uplift each other, and we go through hard things together. It's so comforting to know that I belong. I really don't know what I would do without this group because I haven't found a group like it. It's important to have that group of people around you who will encourage you. What does it mean to to have people that will inspire you? Well, this verse in Hebrews 10 begins, or it's preceded by this, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That's another reason why we go to a life group. It's, It's not just so we could be encouraged, but there's some preparation that we're meant to be doing 
And it's not because we're the leaders. Before we go to a gathering of our fellow Christians, we should be considering how we can spur other people on to love and good deeds. I hope you've got people in your life that are inspiring you to, 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 do, to do great things for God. The other day I was having supper with a group of friends, and I realized that out of the six people sitting around the table, I was the only one that hadn't started an NGO. It's great to surround yourself with people that are going to raise your, your commitment to the Lord, that are going to inspire you to greater heights in God. Here's another verse from Thessalonians. Encourage one another and build each other up, just as you are doing. I want to explain the Greek word for that spur one another on. We always think of a cowboy, you know, and you've got a spur on your boot, and you give that horse a big kick to get it to go faster. So that's what the English is. But in the Greek, it's the word to incite. We're meant to, it's a strong word. We're meant to be considering how we can incite other people to good works. Just as a, a, a revolutionary, I don't want to mention any names, might try to incite people to commit violence. As Christians, we should be trying to incite our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to do great things for God. Someone said this, life group is indeed the highlight of my week. It sets me up for the week and leaves me looking forward to the next one. In a nutshell, it is my family. So we go to life group to, for companionship's sake, to build friendships. We go to be encouraged and to encourage others, to inspire people and to be inspired ourselves. We also go to give and receive emotional and practical support. Here's our key verse, Galatians 6 verse 2. It says, carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. How do we fulfill the law that Christ has given us? It is by, by loving other people. It's by supporting other people in what they're going through in life. That's how we fulfill the law of Christ. If we look more carefully at this passage in, in Galatians 6, we'll see that people are carrying two different kinds of things. In verse 2, we're told, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, fulfill the law of Christ. And then in verse 5, it says, but each of us must carry our own load. Each of us must carry our own load. These are the Greek words. The first word for load just refers to that kind of stuff we've all got to deal with every day. It's those responsibilities we carry. And that stuff we can't shove off onto other people. But what we do need to carry for other people is those burdens they have. Those things that are beyond bearing, that are causing them to, to go down. Acts 2 also describes how the believers practically looked after each other. They sold their possessions, stuff they didn't need, and, and gave it to people within the church community that were struggling. 
We read in Acts 4 that there were no needy persons among the early Christians because they looked after each other, and this is good and right, and this is what the church looks like when it's working right. Here's someone from our 10 o'clock congregation gave this testimony. I was 60, retrenched. Two weeks after starting new employment, my retina detached and an emergency operation left me unable to work for at least 10 days. No work, no opportunity to earn. Without asking, my house group rallied as a team with meals and unexpected gifts of money. They were prompted by the Spirit. At month's end, I was able to work again and all my needs were covered. I love it how it says, um, without asking, my house group rallied as a team. Do you see why it's so important to be part of a house group? Into every life a little rain must fall, and sometimes a storm hits us. And it really is just a matter of time. And when that happens to us, we need to know that there is a community of people around us that will be there to practically support us. A few months ago, Another woman in our congregation's son was skateboarding down Kendall Road and whacked his head and landed up in hospital. And she wrote, she wrote, I only had to reach out to a couple of people. It's like fireworks going off in the sky. All of a sudden, there were so many prayers exploding outwards and lighting up the sky. Wow, what awesome poetry right there. That was just a simple testimony. But she, she could just share, wow, she needed prayer support. And pew, pew, pew. the heavenlies went crazy and her son is fine. Here's another testimony. Our life group is a family of friends who do life together. We share in each other's joys, celebrations, difficulties, heartbreaks, and pain. I have so much gratitude for how our life group rallied around my husband and our family during his illness and the last almost two years after he went to be with Jesus. Their love, friendship, support, generosity, meals, encouragement, endless prayers have meant so much and will never be forgotten. I hope you're in a group where you're known and when trouble comes your way that there are people that will be standing with you, supporting you. The fourth reason we should be part of a small group is to learn and apply God's word in our lives. And the verse I've chosen is Colossians 3.16, which says to us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. A small group meeting is not a place for a mini church service where one person does all the talking. It is an opportunity for us, where are the you there, to, to teach and admonish one another, to, to share together our understanding of what God's Word is saying. And that's why a church is not your six friends at a coffee shop. A church is, is meant to be intergenerational, multicultural. It's meant to be with people that are different to ourselves, where we sit down together in a group and we allow the Bible to speak to us. And the focus always needs to be on doing what it says. The purpose of a life group is not to, to prepare for the life group quiz. 
It's, it's not to gain Bible knowledge and, and trivia. You know, who said this and who lived where, when? The purpose of Bible study is to discuss together how can we apply this truth in our lives? How are you doing it? What have you discovered? How can you help me in my journey with God? That's what we're meant to be doing in life group. It's, it's not listening to a talk. It's talking together with one another about applying Scripture in our lives. Here's what another person said. Over the course of the last year, we as a group have made a conscious decision to try to apply to our daily lives what we learn at Life Group. What we are looking for is how can I apply what I've learned this evening in my daily life? Another person says a church, one doesn't have the opportunity to ask questions and debate the merit of what we've learned. But in life group, we can discuss the practical application. And remember, we always need to be asking ourselves, what difference does this verse make in my life? And I hope your life group's not an echo chamber where people just repeat exactly what you've said. We need a situation where iron sharpens iron because that's how we grow when we wrestle with opinions and viewpoints that are different to our own. Someone else wrote, Life Group is a wonderful place to share, study God's Word, make friendships, pray, support each other, and celebrate life. That's the whole sermon summed up in a sentence. Well done. We go to Life Group to, to worship and to pray together. The same Colossians verse that talks about having the Word of Christ dwelling in us richly says that we shouldn't sit there passively helping someone to to lead us in hoping someone's going to lead us in worship. No, when we go to our small group, I hope that your heart is, there's a melody to God, that we can go there to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, that you're bringing something, that you're going to read a psalm, share a verse, do something that will inspire worship in others. Life group is a place where we pray for each other. It's a place where we can confess our sins to each other and to pray for each other that we may be healed. It's probably a good thing we don't do that in a big meeting like this. Brad, come on up on the stage here and confess a few sins for us. You want to do that? No, 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 joke. <laughs> but you might feel comfortable, I might feel comfortable to do that in a small group of friends where I can say, you know what, I'm really struggling with this, this, and this. With, with resentment or discouragement or, or feeling down or whatever it is, would you please pray for me? And that's where we need to be getting at, at our small groups. We're not there to just put on masks, which leads me to my next point. A life group is a place to, to be authentic and, and to be vulnerable. It's, it's a place where you sh should be able to be yourself. James says we need to be comfortable enough to be able to confess our sins to one another. That means sharing our weaknesses as well as our victories. You don't want to be in that life group where every week you go around the circle and hear how incredible everybody else's lives are. I mean, you get the occasional group like that. 
nor do we want to be in the life group where we all do this before we get ready to go. What mask shall I put on today? Someone said this, we spend time trying to build independence and convenience in our lives. But in life group, we mix with other people's problems. We lose our island lifestyle, but become a catalyst for God, for what God's up to. And someone else is here talking about the need for vulnerability, where the deep pressures, life stresses, and confessed sins need to be shared. I'm almost bringing this to an end. But another reason for being part of a life group is for accountability and spiritual oversight. Sometimes we've got a very negative attitude towards spiritual oversight and accountability. But what is oversight? It means that someone is keeping an eye on you. That's literally oversight. I've got oversight over you tonight in a literal sense. But what is the metaphor when someone has spiritual oversight over you? It's described in Hebrews 13. We are to obey our leaders and to submit to their authority. They keep watch over us as men who must give an account. And so when you're in a small group and you're submitted to leadership, it gives people the freedom to speak into your life, and that can be such a good thing. Do you have people in your life that can speak into your life without you being offended? As Christians, we, we need this accountability people keeping watch over us. Here's another verse about accountability. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, is there going to be someone who can bring you back, shepherd you back? If you're part of a small group, it'll be noticed that you're struggling spiritually and people can lovingly reach out to you. We who are spiritual should restore that person. Here's what someone said. Life group, it's a place to be vulnerable and to share openly. A safe place to feel loved by people who care and who don't judge. And finally, life group should be a welcoming community. There are many, many people that will never come to this church. The thought of going to a church service is too freaky for them. I mean, it's all those songs, it's that funny Christian music. Someone might clap, even wave a flag. Many people don't want to come to church. And you can see they don't. But they would come to your house if a few Christian friends were there and you said, join us for supper, come anytime you like. And in the evening we might discuss something that Jesus said and talk about it. People are very open to coming to a small group meeting. And it's a wonderful way to break down resistance that people have towards the church. And it also draws them in through relationship. And that's why the church grew so radically in the first 200 years of church history. It was through, oh, we're, we're meeting in our house tonight. Neighbor, 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 why don't you come for supper? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is what somebody in our church said. We met in the Connect Cafe over coffee. 
Okay, this refutes my theory. We were invited to visit the group. We were warmly welcomed. We felt right at home from the very first time. I really appreciate the emotional, practical support that I received. Okay, there's another wonderful testimony. My life group is an extension of my family who I love and care for. I enjoy celebrating their special moments and knowing that I have a place to celebrate my own. They listen and pray with me, and when life gets messy, I can do the same. Let's have the worship team up on the stage, and I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll worship together. Lord, we've read many verses tonight about the church and what it's meant to look like. And it's as clear as daylight that the church is not a building, that it is a community of people who care for each other and who are together following Jesus Christ and who are together living out the teachings of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, rid from us the idea that church is a building or even about having a name on a, on a membership role. Remind us again this night, Lord, that church is about being in relationship with other people and that it's not just about what we can get out of those relationships, but about ourselves fulfilling the law of Christ through caring for others, through being others-centered. Lord, deliver us from self-centered attitudes where we have become disgruntled with other people because of our misperceptions and expectations. Help us, Lord, to, to be the change, to be those in whom the Word of God dwells richly. We want to be those who encourage others who carry each other's burdens, who welcome in people, who inspire others to love and good deeds. Lord, we pray for our experience of community here at Connect Church, that it would be rich, that we would be a, a safe place where we can be open and honest with each other and inspire one another to live for you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Howard, don't run away. So, you've been talking to us about being part of a life group. How does that work here? I mean, do, Ooh, pe do you put people in a group? Do they just find their own way? What happens if they don't like it? I mean, give us how, how are guys going to get into a group here? I think uh, if you're wanting to find a group, you should probably speak to me. Okay. And then I will speak to you at an appropriate time and find out who you know and what you're looking for in a group. Because people are looking for different things. Some people are more fellowship-oriented, and that's, that's great if that's where they're at. Some people are very much into serious Bible study, and that's good for them. Others want to experience the things of the Spirit, and others want to do all of the above. <laughs> so, yeah, we need to place you in a group. Um, and, and also age also tends to be a factor. People do like to, you know, be within a 10-year age group. 
for us. So, so I think that's quite important if you're going to apply the message tonight. Um, if you're not in a group, speak to Howard, speak to Brad, and uh, it'll be a great opportunity and a great start for you. Don't you stand around. Thank you. 